whatever you think. From high atop the Rocky Mountains, it's the Barbarian Prophet. Welcome back, Barbarian Nation. I have got a guest in the studio that I have actually been able to travel across the state to visit with today. Pastor Rob Carr out of Newcastle, Wyoming. This guy is like hanging out right on the cusp of the Black Hills, and he uh, he has been moved up here. He's lived all over uh, the United States in the most interesting places you could ever possibly imagine. He keeps using little phrases that I have to actually go look up on occasion because I'm like, I don't know where that's at when he uses the term UP all the time. And I'm like, what do you mean you were working for UPS or what? But (laughs) I end up discovering that's the upper peninsula of Michigan. That is correct. Okay, so Rob... Welcome to the welcome to the Barbarian Prophet. I appreciate you being on here today, brother. Sweet. And so, quick question to you is: uh, so, how long have you lived in Wyoming now? Almost three years. We'll have been here three years in August first nice. of twenty twenty is when I started here at Christ the King Lutheran. And before that, you were living in. I was in the UP. In right? the UP. I was in a little town called Iron River, Michigan, Iron uh, River. just right on the border of Wisconsin, about fifteen miles across the Wisconsin border, in an area of the UP that does not claim the rest of the state of Michigan at all. Uh, matter of fact, you are above the bridge. You've got the Mackinac Bridge, and everybody below the bridge. Guess what? They call the people who live under the bridge trolls. And so the rest of the state is viewed as trolls down there. But yeah. That's so. So is this where they started writing the book, uh, Lord of the Rings? And was like, that is where the trolls will live in the Lord of the Rings story or what? No, but I do tell you, I went in to do my first hospital visit right after I moved in there. And I'm walking in there. I got my clerics on and my blue jeans and stuff as I'm walking in there. And this guy comes walking out and he looks at me and he sees the collar and he kind of looks down. He's like, uh, okay, he has... I, you're not, a, father, Cap- you're you're not, not Catholic, a Catholic but he calls, priest. But he calls me father. But then I look at his hat. And when I look at his hat, his hat says, every youper has a pet troll. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what is the what is the troll bit? And then I finally found out, you know, what the troll thing was. Well, about. well, that all makes complete sense. To yep, glad it does to you. People in Michigan is who it <laughs> makes sense. So to all my Michigan listeners, I know you know what we're talking about here. So uh, so you lived in the UP and and. And you, was that your first call? That was, was my that? first call. Yeah, oh, I went oh. to seminary in Gettysburg, and then my first call uh, was in uh, in the UP. So explain to, not all my uh, listeners are Lutheran, and not all of them have ever heard that term before. So what is it like when a person, what does that mean to be, to get a call? Okay, how best simply to describe this? So you go through a, a whole process. So you've got a internal call uh, to become a pastor. There's been an external call uh, to become a pastor that the congregation has has felt for you as well, and they've signed off, and you've met with candidacy committees, and you've gone through this whole process of going to seminary, and you've met with the candidacy committee each year for the process and they say, yes, we think you're good. You've approved for ordination, but you cannot be ordained without a call to a congregation. That is the final step uh, to kind of validate your call uh, to become a pastor. And, and so and, you're required. And so then a church 
has met you, they say, yes, this is the guy we want. We feel like God is calling him to be a pastor here in this church. And then once you receive that call, you may be ordained. Okay. So then once you get ordained and you're in that church, when you, if you, when you go to like, you left from there and came to here, then what happens then? Do you, they ordain you again? No, no, it's only a single ordination. Once you're ordained, ordination. though, my situation was a little different because I changed denominations as oh, part my. of that process. Okay. And in changing part denominations, the new denomination had to certify my ordination. So how did they go about certifying that? Uh, there was a bit of a application process, uh, a lot of theological questions. They sent me a, a document, I don't know, about 20 pages of questions I had to write yeah. responses to. And then they had to review those and make sure that I was in agreement with them. And then I had to go sit down with someone to interview me. One of the deans would interview me. And then they kind of went kind of went from there. Well, that, and that's that's pretty good. I mean, this, this is a great explanation of why and how a person comes to be from one one denomination to the other, that is a normal process there, right? Yeah, yeah, very, very kind of normal process. Everything it was a little easier because I was going from one Lutheran denomination to another. Yeah, everything with me is way more complicated. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, no, I get it, man. There, there's normal, and then, yeah, but then, I'm not saying normal is uncomplicated. Normal then, is pretty dirty. And then so. there's Bert. And then, and that'll be different. So, so anyway, what ends up happening is you, uh, so you were, how long were you out there in the UP? Uh, two years, two years, two years. And I would, I would still be there if I could have got the congregation to leave the denomination with me and go to where I was going, but they, they were not willing to do so. So a matter of conscience, bound conscience required me to leave the denomination, whether the church was willing to go with me. Or Make, not. Makes great sense. Now, then uh, turn it around and you head to uh, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Now, you had traveled out and talked to this congregation before you decide Wyoming is your your deal, right? So, uh, how did that end up going? Uh, well, we had a... It, I put out my paperwork and I wound up with three interviews in 24 hours. Wow. And so, I had an interview in Wisconsin... Uh, the in the evening, the next morning, I had an interview in Wyoming, and then I had an interview in Texas that afternoon. Uh, Zoom. This was right in the middle of COVID. This is 2020. Right. This is right in the middle of COVID. Everything's hitting, and so had the interview in Wisconsin. And it's just like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, you know, we had a nice chat and everything, but just didn't fit. Um, spoke with them in Wyoming the next morning. And that next morning, I got off, and my mother called me and said, so, what do you think about things so far? And I said, well, I've already accepted an on-site interview, which basically didn't mean we were married, but we were engaged at that point. So, I had to call the other. You were at least taking a lap around the dance floor. Yeah, we we were. So, um, I said, you know what? I felt like I was sitting on the front porch talking to people I'd known my entire life. Being from a farm in Kentucky, ranching folk, farm folk. Very much cut from the same cloth. Yeah. So basically what you're telling me, you were talking to him and you're like, these guys don't agree on anything ever and yell at each other a lot. That's called the Wyoming way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm kidding my Wyoming people. I'm just yeah. joking. Uh, yeah, you know. no, it was good. We, we, they said, you know what? We want you to come out here. I said, great. We want to come out here. And so we came, interviewed, preached at the church, spent a week kind of seeing the sights and variety of different things. And 
maybe they're just glutton for punishment, but they decided they wanted us out here. And so here we came. Well, they're, they're Lutherans. They might have been drinking at the time. I it's get possible. It. It's I possible. get it. I get it. So uh, then the next question is, is that, uh, so how did the wife feel about moving out here? <laughs> we rolled up into town. And so we, we, we drove across, uh, came from Rapid City, kind of come across South Dakota, and we came out of Rapid City and over the Black Hills and driving down into it. And she just kind of immediately fell in love with with the place. And so we went through the interview process. It was time to leave. We'd been here for about a week, and we're in the hotel packing things up. And finally, she just looked at me, and she said, you know what? You can go back to the UP. I'm just going to stay here. Boy. That escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped <laughs> up a notch. It did, didn't it? I'm telling. Uh, I'm telling you, man. She went ahead, and she had made her mind. She was staying whether you went or not. It was more or less. That was kind of where that wound up going. I yeah, get it. And, I get uh, it. So I'm like, look, I, they haven't even had a vote on me yet. It's going to be at least thirty days. But right. Never mind the fact that I already submitted my resignation, and if I didn't find a church somewhere soon. Uh, she might as well stay here because we was going to be homeless anyway. It's not a bad place to be homeless in Wyoming. You'd want to move close to Casper. I think that we've got a better shelter. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you guys had made up your mind. God opened up the doors, and here you are. Yep. Okay. Three years. And, and you've been here three years. And then you, uh, as you are working with the people of this community, what is uh, what is some of the things that you are focused on bringing that? And where I want to kind of tap, Rob, I'm gonna, I want to tap a little bit about some of your Hebrew root background, and Ooh. and and that it is. I don't want to just talk about it being a Hebrew root. I want I want people to understand that you can you came from a church originally that had a Lutheran pastor. Is this correct? And I'm gonna let you tell the whole story. Okay. But he was a Lutheran pastor on Sunday, but he was a Messianic Jew on Saturday. Yes. Okay. And uh and one thing you and I are way in agreement on is the Sabbath is Saturday and and we do church on Sundays because that's how we start our week. Mm-hmm. We finish it in celebration of cry of God, mm-hmm. and and we start our our week in the liturgy, which means the work of the people. That's how we begin our work. But uh, tell me a little bit about that church and some of that experience because I, I think that that is one thing that as we go along in our faith that we need to make sure that we're not. Uh, we realize the importance of the Hebrew background, or at least that's my perspective, okay? I just want to throw that out. Sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. I I had grown up in a setting where we really didn't talk much about the Old Testament at all. And, and when we did, it was stories here and stories there, and you you got the Ten Commandments and that type stuff. But when it came to how we live our faith, how we think about the faith, everything was from Matthew through Revelation. 
And kind of like in real estate, the old saying goes, context, context, context. And so, <laughs> Absolutely, because I love when people throw a sentence at you and like, and it says it right here. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to read the rest of that Maybe chapter, and then not. we'll see if that's what it says. And if you stop and you hit pause and you say, okay, well, who were these guys who were walking with Christ? Who were these people who were walking with this man named Yeshua? Not Jesus, by the way. His name was actually Yeshua uh, that got shifted into Jesus through a translation of a translation, but okay. So we, how did it get shifted? Is Jesus is that a Greek? So if you take Yeshua and then you take it into Greek, when it was written in Greek, they wrote Jesus, mm-hmm. and then from Jesus, then into Latin, where you still have kind of Jesus, but the Y sound is done with a J of mm-hmm. when you bring it into English and then people forget that the J was a Y sound, and then it goes on, and you wind up with Jesus. Okay. Jesus! And okay. you kind of go on from there. Not that there's anything wrong with calling him Jesus, but nope. you know his name was Yeshua. 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 Yeah, yeah I've got no problem with that at all. Yeah. I just, I wanted to, I wanted your perspective on yeah, that. Yeah, so. yeah, that, that I, in the Latin, uh, winds up becoming a J often when we bring things into English, because right. it would still have that same. I think it's similar in Spanish, is it not? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah the same Jesus, same yeah. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and, and even it. Well, uh, it's it's Latino. You know, it comes from Latin. Most most of Spanish does come out of Latin. Most a lot of English comes out of Latin, sure. right? Uh, the only thing worse than my Spanish is my English. You know, so the only thing doing. worse than my English is my English. I mean, that's <laughs> the one problem we always have with talking with each other, right? We're all talking English, but none of us understand what the other guy's saying. So, but, uh, so you, I, go ahead. No, I, where I was going to go with that is so so when uh, you stepped into uh, recognizing Yeshua. And you start. Well, that was because of Pastor Chad. Yeah, let's talk about Pastor Chad. Pastor Chad, and, you know, uh, he was, his mother was Jewish, his father was a Lutheran pastor. And so he was a Lutheran pastor. And so I had never been to a Lutheran church before. My wife had been Catholic. I had refused to become Catholic. There had been some reasons why I had left uh, previous churches I'd been part of. And we had been kind of unchurched. Uh, at, for a while. And I woke up one Sunday morning. And I said, you know what? I just, I feel like we're supposed to go to church this morning. I don't know why. Wife's looking at me like I'm half crazy, but she's like, okay, do you want to, do you want to go to the Catholic church today? I'm like, no, nothing against it, but I feel like that's been weighed and measured and been found wanting. I'm, I, I'm, I, I don't want to go back that route because I can't convert to Catholicism. Right. And then we went on to, uh, she asked me a couple other things, and she goes, you know, my father's actually Lutheran. I'm like, hmm, I didn't know this about you. We've been married for a while, but I didn't know your father was Lutheran. So I've never been to a Lutheran church before. Luther was a cool cat. I remember studying about him in school. Where's the closest Lutheran church? Come to find out there was one four blocks away. So little bitty town in, in Kentucky there. So we walked the four blocks back there to this little church. And I walk in, and um, Pastor Chad was there. And I start hitting him with all the gotcha questions. You know the ones I'm talking about, where you go in trying to you know measure up the pastor and kind of see what's going on. Yeah, see if he even knows anything about the Bible, make sure he's at least going to talk about it. Yeah, and the question was, did I even know anything about the Bible myself <laughs> enough well, to ask said questions? But I was cocky enough, I didn't care. So right, right. I went in there, and I asked the questions, and he stopped me right away. He said, look, Rob. He said, I'm not going to have the answers to all your questions. 
He said, but I'll happily sit down with you and we'll wrestle with them together like Jacob wrestling with the divine. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably both walk away with the limp. Right. And that single response really made an impact. Excellent. So much so that when I became a pastor, it's the first thing I said to to the congregations I serve, that same line. But anyway, him being half Jewish, I didn't realize this at the time, he had what was known as Torah Tuesdays. Torah yeah. Tuesdays. So Torah Tuesday. So, so we you had tacos earlier in the day and Torah by <laughs> night. Okay, I'm with you. So, yeah. So we would... <laughs> tacos made of matzah. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. But anyway, we, we go just in say, there. I'm all in, man. <laughs> you can't tempt me with tacos. <laughs> the, uh, we go in on Tuesday night and he had a rabbi friend of his come in and co-teach the class alongside me. He was not a Messianic rabbi yet. He was in the process of becoming a Messianic rabbi at the same time. And he he now is and does serve two congregations for the sake of his privacy. I won't give out where he's at no or anything like that. Hey, but they'd probably um, all flood his church and he'd be like, where did all these people come from? I was I was he changed the course of my life. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, he began as I began to study the Bible through a bit of a Hebrew lens. The apostles were all Hebrew. Jesus right. was was a was a Jew, Absolutely. and began to look at this. Suddenly, things that seemed disconnected and disassociated in a variety of different ways suddenly begin coming to life. Uh, I remember one one key point because he was teaching me the the blessings. Right. Uh, for uh, we were learning some Hebrew on the side, and we were learning the blessings over like uh, bread and wine, like okay. they would say at Shabbat. And, okay. Uh, and what I realized was Jesus is at the Passover at the Last Supper. Right. And as he's going through, and he says these blessings, mm-hmm. uh, if you've never heard of it, it's a fascinating language. Hebrew is a beautiful language. Uh, I think well, it's, don't I think be afraid to use it. The, so, so like the blessing over the bread, Blessed are you, Adonai, or O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. But he would go through and he would say that with the bread. And he said the blessing, when he said give thanks in the you know, Last Supper, he's saying those blessings. Right. And when he says, this is my body and this is my blood, there is some sense there of identifying himself with the Sabbath where they would share this and say those very words. In me, you will find rest. And, and a variety of different things. Not dismissing the Sabbath by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, there was just all kinds of little light bulbs that began to kick on. And now I'm had a lot more education and I don't view them the same way as I did then. But uh, just, I just remember all these light bulbs kick, you know, clicking on and suddenly scripture ceased being something behind me that was just disconnected from our world today and disconnected from why do all these stories have in common with each other? Suddenly they became alive. Right. You know, that is uh, the one thing that when you are working with people and you're introducing them to scripture for the first time, introducing them to the Lord is uh, they are always, uh, you have to have some type of a connection or at least some type of an understanding and understanding that our Lord uh, was Jewish. I mean, even he says to the woman at the well, salvation will come through the Jews. He's talking about him, you know. He is, but it's interesting. That word salvation yeah. 
is his name Yeshua. Yeah, that's right. And so yeah, when he, he would have said salvation comes from the Jews, what he actually would have said is Yeshua comes from the Jews. Right. His own very name. Absolutely. Uh, the name Yeshua is the masculine form of the noun for salvation. Right. So, you know, when a lot of people, so it starts to pull everything together. And, you know, that's where I think that we, uh, we've we lost things because we listen. Uh, and, and you can tell me if you disagree with this, but we have a tendency to listen to what pastors say all the time without doing any research ourselves and just assuming the pastor Okay, he knows everything he's talking about. And I always go, don't ever trust me on anything. Well, you always double check with Jesus and you check with the Holy Word every single time needs to be your goal. An interesting story from the Old Testament that is one of these cases where things really came to life. Um, so in, and I discovered this when I was delving into the book of Daniel. And going through the book of Daniel, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar uh, would call together his sorcerers and his astrologers and all these different things, the word for astrologer that was used in, in the Hebrew there was kastim, uh, which is Chaldeans. And one thing that came to mind, and it just clicked on me, the astrologer was being an astrologer was so synonymous with being a Chaldean that the word Chaldean had become the word for astrologer that was being used. Right. And, and my thought and we, was, where do we first see this right. pop up? And one of the first places we see this is when Abraham, you know, and I would argue that the pre-incarnate Christ leads Abraham outside this man who is from ur Kastim. Ur of the Chaldeans, this man is from a culture that is synonymous with astrology. Pre-incarnate Christ leads him outside and points to the stars of all things. In a culture that's so steeped in astrology, they spend their entire lives studying the stars and takes him outside. And there was some there was a sense of realism. There was something so real in that that this ceased being a story and suddenly life popped out of the page maybe just me but it was no no I, I, would, I would i would say that is an amazing reality and you know one of the things that um that that is one of the things that we needed to add it in there that's one thing i appreciate when i meet with you week after week uh when we're on zoom with the rest of them is getting that that jewish perspective in there um just so we can uh, take a look at how Old Testament, New Testament, they all tie together there. I always tell people there shouldn't be anything separating the two. It's all just the word of God. Uh, you know, the the reality is, is that we need to understand this is, this is the story of our people. You're like, well, I wasn't born Jewish. No, we were grafted in. We are. And that's all. That's a reality that gets lost. And, End of days is a hot topic right now. I love end of days. Come on, let's you know, do it. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, no, not those <laughs> not end those. of days. But anyway, okay. but I mean, but you know, talk about the connection. You know, everybody is constantly asking questions about the book of Revelation and things right now. It's, and they don't the read anything in Ezekiel. They don't read anything in Daniel. They Ooh. they think they always is talking about the first thing. And there are of the- hundreds of direct quotes and allusions in the book of Revelation from the Tanakh, the Hebrew scriptures. And so, which is the Old Testament. 
Right. And that, that's the whole point. You know, the, the, we have to realize all of this ties together. And they, people often look at the book of Revelation and they're, they're anticipating this horrific end. And one thing that if you truly are walking in Christ, this isn't a horrific end. No, it's, it's a, a book new, written for our hope. Exactly. It's a book written for us to realize there's a new beginning, that, that as this is going to pass away, that Christ has prepared a place for us within himself. So, I mean, so, sorry, I hit the wrong button. So, <laughs> um, when it comes down to when you, when you start working it, do you bring this into your preaching a great deal? Well, I... Try to only bring it in if it adds something to the context in such a way. It's There's always a fine line between, okay, am I sharing this information because it's going to help edify the people, or am I sharing this information to show that I know this fancy stuff? And so, so the, you know, yeah, we'll it's that. not about me. Yeah, yeah. And so knock if, that I, if I'm out. bringing it in, I, I pray that I'm bringing it in because it's, because it's adding something to the story. It's shedding light on the, on the reality. You know, you're talking about the woman at the well and the history behind the, you know, the Samaritan, you know, Jewish conflict, you know, going all the way back to Antiochus and, you know, the fourth in some of those areas way back when and who sided with who and who sacked who and all that kind of stuff. And, but you go back and you plug all that stuff back in, you look at the historical context behind some of those, what's written on the page suddenly makes far more sense. You know, there, there's without a doubt there. So when you, uh, so let's bounce over to the other end of this. Yeah, you, yeah. uh, so I, I can understand you bringing it in as necessary, etc. Uh, how do you how do you apply some of this to your life? Do you apply some of this Hebrew understanding to how you worship God in a daily living situation? <laughs> well, it's a loaded question, uh, and so yes, but I want to be careful with any type of pietistic practice. Uh, the word piety is a four-letter word uh, that commonly gets used. And so the question are... It, it does. And, it, it, and, it does. and we, that's we, not what I'm looking for here. Okay. I promise you what I... Is when, one thing we want to do is steer people away from that to where they get so lost in the law or so lost in ritualistic living, no matter whether it's Jewish or or whatever. I want... I, that is not how our relationship works. But my curiosity is, you you have been really developed and brought along with this. So how does it end up, how do you end up helping it apply to teach your children the gospel or teach even those around you, your brothers and sisters around you? So let's take, so as we were having coffee this morning, you may or you may not have noticed uh before I took my first sip of coffee, I said a little blessing. Uh, uh, blessed hold, hold on, I, I want to translate that. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, for coffee, and that I'm not going to harm anybody for the rest <laughs> of the two hours. You got it. Is that is that right? Yeah, close, close. That's the, that's the. It's not the exact words, but the spirits there. The <laughs> whose by your word brings forth all things. 
Uh, and the point of that is fostering a relationship of gratitude uh, to God for for all things. A, a brief moment just to recognize that there is nothing that we have. Even every breath we take, every second of our life, we owe merely to the will of God. And so just to take a brief moment, and not legalistic about this, uh, don't beat myself up if I forget or anything like that. I'm not, there's not a moment of salvation or damnation tied up to any of that. It's just simply attempting to foster a a, a state of gratitude uh, for all things. And I have two young children and showing them that on a daily basis in all things, we need to be grateful for God for everything we have. And, and Rob, that is really what I was looking for is how do we, because this is one thing I think that gets to missing in a lot of Christian households. You get people that get over piety where they're, I cannot do any of this without praying or asking God's direct direction. Yeah. One, one of my favorite statements in the Christian faith, if you want to know the word no, you want to know what that sounds like? Here's the Christian no. I'll pray on that and get back to you. <laughs> that, that's just the answer, no. So don't ask him again. Right. Uh <laughs> So what I what I just want to kind of bring up is that I do I do recognize when you do stuff like that, and I have other brothers that uh, that are definitely Hebrew root uh, type Christians, and they they do that stuff very similar. They I never ever felt like once like they did it legalistically, or felt like they had to. It's it it is just exactly what you said, and I thought you worded that very well. Is a form of developing a mentality and a personal culture of gratitude towards a God that provides every single thing for you. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably where I see it the most, you know, affecting my life and affecting my kid's life and, and things like that. It's just in that reality. Uh, the other places that it gets used the most is just, Keeping scripture in its in its context, it matters why why Paul Saul, who was uh, Shaul, who was a very pious Jew, it matters the context in which he wrote what he wrote, and we we can't extract that from it. You know the words that Jesus spoke. You know the context in which they were spoken does matter, and. It's still a living scripture. It still speaks to us today. I don't mean to to rob anything from that, but we can't we can't divorce scripture from its context either. Right, and I, you know, and I think that uh, these are some things that we've got to see within the church body, overall church, meaning all all ends, non denominational, denominational, etc. Uh, to where we need to start steering ourselves back to which is what is important. We get into funny little weird scraps all the time over. Well, this is the thing that I long for. I mean, I I pray I will see a day unlikely that I will, but I pray for a day where the body of Christ ceases to be severed limbs and comes back together as the body of Christ with the one thing that truly unites or divides us being the Word of God, uh, being Scripture itself. 
And, and if this is going to be controversial, what I'm about to say, maybe, I don't know, but the, everybody, this is at 31 minutes and I'm just kidding. Sure. 30 seconds in. This is the part you'll want to play 20 times over. Yeah. <laughs> when you're looking when, when you're looking for the reason why you're actually going to burn me on the pyre, the 31 minute mark is where you want to go. No, the <laughs> Let me tell you something about the Lord gave me a word the other day. I got to give this to you for you bail into this. You ready? Yeah, yeah, please. Be careful of po- pointing everybody else's sin out, Bert, because if they pull all their logs out of their eyes, they will put them in a pile and put you on them and burn you down. <laughs> so, you know, my, so I was raised in a Baptist church, been to Pentecostal churches, been to independent churches. You know, I've, I've been kind of around the gamut before. Lo and behold, I wound up in a Lutheran church and who would have thunk it? But, you know, at the same time, here we are. And, uh, the reality is a lot of the things that divide us are points in scripture where there's a lack of definite nature where there is something that scripture feels somewhat vague upon and we're not sure exactly how we want to interpret it and then we draw deep lines in the sand because someone disagrees with us on those couple of points um and so like around infant baptism for example uh, i'm not going to go into the whole spiel right now no I, that, that's okay if we've got time we'll tackle that i don't have a problem with that but one of those places those places where and by the way, if you suddenly see a big gap in the recording today, whenever he plays this, it's going to be because I say something and he decides, no, we really don't want to hear this. But I, I'm pretty raw. You're, you won't hey, find no, any kidding. big gaps, I promise. No, I'm kidding. You probably should. <laughs> I'd probably sleep better tonight if no. you did. But hey, no, I'm going to keep him up for the next week now. We, uh, <laughs> I'm going to add other comments he doesn't know he's made. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, if it's... If the word of God, if two bodies are both going to the word of God and arguing on two different sides of an argument, using word of God as the source of their argument, and there's a level of vagueness there, perhaps that's not something that should divide us. Perhaps that's something that we need to wrestle with and come together and wrestle with as opposed to making it a battleground on which hills on which we die. Well, and I don't know if that makes any sense. You know, it does. And I'm going to kick in one other thing. If we come together and we are so angry over a discussion, then it is not God separating us. Nope. That is satanic. Yeah, absolutely. Because one of the things that it says in first John is that, you know, we, we have to come to each other in love. It does not mean we have to agree. It does not mean that we have to go along, but we should be able to part company without trying to tear each other down or or separate ourselves so deeply from each other. But it is funny to watch, Rob, how often we we see people draw such firm lines in the sand. Um, So, uh, you know, when I, I will tell you this, when I came, started into the Lutheran church end of things, that I had... Uh, it surprised me some of the people that withdrew from me because they knew Lutherans. Oh, yeah. They know them. They know exactly what kind of people they are. 
And uh, I was always like, wow, that that's weird. That's crazy. And when I got in here, you know, I, I seen where there were several uh, from the Lutheran end. They make comments about other denominations or non-denominational or whatever. And I'm, I'm like, well, that ain't true. And then I look at them from both ends being here in the middle. And I see where both sides truly do not say this. They truly don't understand each other at all. To be fair, you get two Lutherans in the room, and they may not understand each other at all either. Yeah, that, they just like to argue. That's true of just two people, <laughs> period, right? Because they're, well, uh, you know, my my favorite joke currently is, uh, I know I've been wrong for like 20 minutes, but now I'm just getting entertainment out of ticking you off. <laughs> <laughs> But so so let's bounce down the road. Sure. Now yeah, now yeah, we're yeah. on we're on the we're on the talking about the Hebrew part of things and the Jesus part of things. And sure. you you haven't just been from the Jewish end and uh the Lutheran end. You've had some a little bit of upraising, not uh, I I never ever took it at you went through a teenage when you were in the Baptist church, right? So I left the Baptist church when I was a teenager, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I don't like put that in a real high category because as with most teenagers, they're like, I don't want to be here anyway. Yeah, fair, yeah, fair enough. Right? But there were certain, there was certainly a couple of events that kind of sit me out of the, out of the church. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. And then the other, and when you, you've kind of cycled through, like you said, several other types of churches. So, I mean, you're not coming at this. Uh, some of the decisions that you've made with your life is not based on um, oh, yeah. not, not understanding these other churches. Actually, I think that's a very healthy thing to do is to step through and take a look at other churches and go, hey, where, what do they believe and why are they this way? Yeah, I'd actually <clears throat> largely, uh, not largely, I had left the church pretty much entirely after after a while and was just struggling with things. And oddly enough, it was science class and couple of science classes in college that brought me back to reconsider the reality of God. And after that, that was what kind of led to me asking my wife that morning where we wanted to go to church. But Nice. So so then what ended up, uh, I mean, you had, number one, you had a really good pastor that led you down the road to become a Lutheran, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you... Um, as you go ahead and you work with him and you start to develop and you make this decision to become a pastor, what are some of the things that you, I mean, if, if 20 years from now you step out of the faith, you're retired, what is the one thing that you hope that you would leave with people? And it has to be other than just Jesus. I left Jesus with them. Now, what 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 is the one thing that you would want them to know that you would put your efforts into? This is what this is the thing that gives me goosebumps. When I am teaching a class, we call them God bumps. God bumps. <laughs> when I am uh, when I'm teaching a class, and I'm showing them something and suddenly you see that light bulb click on where they've suddenly made the connection and someone came up to me and said, I will never read my Bible the same way again after this. And it's those, those kind of moments, something that's 
in line, I mean, there's lots of people who are out there teaching this stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not on the cutting edge necessarily. There's lots of people out there who are teaching this, but there's lots of people who aren't hearing it. And to, to see people look at it and place it back in its context and realize they're, they're not reading words on a page and see it actually come to life before them and say, I'll never read this the same again. Uh, that alone would be enough just to have that kind of impact on a single person would, would be enough. And I, I love it. And you know, the other thing is, uh, just to remember as you, as you, there may be other people teaching, but you're the only one teaching this group. You know, that's the other thing you always got to remember is that you're the one stepping out on the edge to teach a collective that you have around you. You know, God puts us in so often, um, Rob, and I say this for the sake of other pastors that are listening and maybe even they're at a point where they're like, man, should I keep doing this? Am I doing this right? Should I go to college? Should I get more colleging? You know, whatever, because I, I run into that. You've ran into that. We're just that's called human uh, the other part of that is we have to realize sometimes God has called us. I mean, when we started out this whole conversation, you were called for a position. First, an internal call where God said, hey, this is what you're, you're going to do. And you said, I agree. I want to do this. And then an external call where a church says, do it. And you, I know you're going to say, I never said I wanted to do this. <laughs> well, I dang sure never ever planned on being a Lutheran pastor, did you? No. And the other part of that is, did you ever plan on being a pastor, period? Oh, if you told me I was going 15 years ago, if you told me I was going to be a pastor today, I, I started to say I wouldn't have called you a liar, but yeah, I would. It just, it wasn't a chance. It, it wasn't in the cards. Uh, right. Not for me. Right. As far as I could see. Well, my, I, my life was a little different, a little different road to get here, but. Right. The, uh, but. But a part, but a part of you being here is you being sold out and and doing what he's calling you to do, right? Right. And I kind of view it as I heard, I heard. Uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now, but it doesn't matter. I heard someone say one time, "This is my spot on the wall. This is where I've been stationed. This 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 is where I've been I've been put. This is my my focus." And so I'm not going to abandon my post until I've been reassigned or relieved from duty. And this is my spot on the wall uh, to kind of. I like that. We'll have to use that a little bit more often. This is this is the spot. You know, we're we're all called to be watchmen, right? Right. And we've been called to certain places to be watchmen in certain places. And, you know, when it comes down to. NALC, North American Lutheran Church Pastors. There's how many in Wyoming again? Uh, two. Two. And they're and, both sitting at microphones here. They're right both now. sitting at a microphone <laughs> right here. We're it. We're it, people. We the, could uh, sure use some more help in this area. But you know, one thing that as we as we're watching and as we're watching, if you don't mind, I would like to kind of shift to where we're going. Okay. Uh, as the NALC. One thing with us is we're as we're developing, we're watching the NALC. It's thirteen years old this year, okay. So it's a teenager, mm-hmm. right? It's no longer. I feel like it spent its first twelve years, its preteen years, worried about what it wasn't. It's no longer, and I'll call it out. It's no longer ELCA, right? And uh, so it looks back, and but you know we also have a tremendous amount of. of uh, LCMS, the Missouri Senate, we have some of those people that have left and come into here too. And they, they're looking back and they're going, we're no longer this, right? 
So as we're progressing forward, Rob, as we're as we're taking off and launching into the next phase of our Lutheran walk, some of the things is what what is some things you would like to see develop as we move forward? And I will follow behind with some things I'd like to see develop moving forward. It's one of those things I've I, I'm not really sure. Uh, that's something I'd have to give some give some thought to, but um, I think well, the Lutheran faith at one point defined itself by being not Catholic. Right, right. <laughs> and they, now they were we like we are just not Catholic as being non ELCA. Right, and so a level of repentance meaning from the Greek metanoia, meaning to turn around and refocus upon Christ. Right. And so as far as what I would like to see is I'm just anxious to see, because we are a growing denomination. There's something happening in the NALC where others are shrinking, where we're growing right now and adding churches and pastors on a, you know, on a yearly basis. Um, What I really want us to be careful with is there's a sense, and we've talked about this outside of here, there's a sense of a bit of a new reformation happening. And what I would, what I want to do is see us set our egos aside and let the head lead the body. And I don't know what that's going to look like because this world around us right now is becoming harder to understand. And only from a godlike perspective can we have any hope of navigating uh, these turbulent waters. We're in the midst of the midst of the chaotic primeval sea again, it feels like to some extent, um, and waiting for the, the great sea beasts, you know, to devour us, it feels like. And so, but to step back and just focus on where Christ is leading us and set everything, all the other stuff aside. I'm going to, I'll step right yeah, in there yeah, and agree with know. you wholeheartedly and say that's one thing is setting aside all egos or worried about where the past or even where, where people are coming from and looking more at where they're focused on going. Because one thing is, I, um, what hit me when you said, um, you know, focusing on the head, on, on Christ himself. And, uh, you know, I just, I was reading, uh, Proverbs here the other day, and I cannot pull that address for anything in my head right now, but it makes a common statement and you can look this up. It makes a statement that the man may be the head, but the bride is the crown. Mm. Okay. And we should follow the head. See, understand this is that we we live in a society right now that says, well, a man may be the head, but the woman's the neck. But that is not the way this works in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the head and we're the crown in which he wears upon his head. And as he moves forward, we go with the direction he chooses to go. And I really pray that that one thing that happens as we continue to move forward in this denomination and with the church body, period, no matter what their title is, that we start to come together to understand each other better so that we can progress forward. Because we're watching we're watching the rise of the uh of the harlot church, in my opinion. I would agree completely. And uh, as we watch the rise of the harlot church 
the easy ways to tell those is when you take a look and they're denying Christ. They're denying the resurrection. They're denying the, they start opening up prayer with things that are uh, non-biblical altogether in order for complete uh, agreeance with the world. Well, so you take, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go ahead and poke them here just be, just because I, I, well, I can't help myself. You know, it's just one of those cases where, you know, like with the ELCA, you know, one of the things just before, you know, I left, they issued a thing that said, in all humility, we need to accept paths to salvation outside of Christ. Uh, and so, and, and they're not the only denomination. And they're not that the only denomination that. that has done that. There are others as well. There's but numerous as others, part yeah. of their communion service at the last churchwide gathering they had, they prayed to Mother Earth and Father Sky and did a uh, smudging as part of the communion service. That's straight wicked, bro. And so that's just that's, you know that's an entirely different ballgame. So here's my thought: Yeah, we may be the crown if we're following. Christ as the head, but what happens if you have a body and the head's going one way and the body's left behind? That's called a decapitated body. And, and that means that we need to stick. That's why we're the crown. We stick with the head. Right. <laughs> I'm sticking with the head. You know, and so what they've in essence done, these churches, they're decapitating themselves, decapitating themselves. Even, well, and you know, and a part of that, I, I did see uh, the opening of a, of a, another denomination where they opened up with the the source mm. and the word and the spirit that guides us and i was like whoa dude what do you wait what you know they like to watch and when we take a look at some of this stuff without without just sitting around and having that that whole thing but when we start taking a look at that stuff we need to reevaluate ourselves all the time and make sure that the table we're sitting at is not one Jesus would have flipped over a long time ago. Yeah. Because it, what surprises me is how often people stay in uh they stay in a uh in a church that they know is preaching wrong, that they know is doing wrong, but they don't know where else to go. It just always baffles me. Uh you've been around this a little bit longer than I have. Is that something that you've seen a great deal? Yeah, so Yes and no. So I remember the one congregation I was as I was leaving and I was trying to get them to go with me. Um, some of them just don't want to see their church fracture. And so they're like, well, we can just kind of ignore what the church's church wide body is doing. We're just going to do our own thing and we don't want to do anything that might upset you know, part of the body and cause them to, to leave the church or whatever. I had two twin brothers in the congregation and one wanted to leave the charge, leaving the ELCA and coming to the NALC. Uh, we've got, you know, letter soup here. I get that, but you can kind of track me. But, um, the other one, the twin brother who was also on council said, I assure you, I will never let that vote hit the floor. You know, so you had even twin brothers who were divided over what to do with it. One wanted to lead the charge, and one was saying he would never allow it to happen. Yeah, and and we definitely see those things. And, you know, I think one of the, the other key things that I would look at here is when we take a look at how people uh, react to uh, each other in the Christian faith, it... it uh, worrying more about how emotional things are or that we don't want to offend people. 
The funny thing is they don't want to offend people, but they don't mind offending God. And on the other end of that is there's a, on more than one occasion, what we see is when people are uh, staying in places they shouldn't stay, it, it definitely causes a problem within their household, etc. But even more so, when we watch people walk in the direction that they're supposed to, it doesn't mean it's going to be easier. No. It actually, in a lot of times, becomes a lot harder. You question yourself a lot more. You have a tendency that not only are you questioning yourself a lot more, you have to constantly be in a state of falling back to the word to make sure the direction that you've chose is the proper map. And, you know, we we have this tendency to think that God only puts up this or that instead of this and that. You know, there's a lot of times what he lines out in front of us is way more than we would have thought. Now, I've only got a little bit of time left here. Sure. Okay. So I want to I want to cover one more thing that Mark Crawford and I talked about and that has just really been weighing heavy on my head. And I, I just want your input and opinion on this. Now, the one thing that we truly need to get stepped back to is making sure that the church is identifying, recognizing, respecting, and lifting up in worship the entire Godhead, you know, the Father, the, full the Son, Trinity. and the Holy Spirit, the whole Trinity. And the, the that triune Godhead becomes a very key thing, right? And what we've seen is that on one end of it, and this is where I'm asking for your opinion, we've seen on one end of it where we have people that are very uh, focused and very full with the Holy Spirit and very charismatic with the Holy Spirit, and they do recognize Jesus and the, the importance and the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then you have an Orthodox church, which is, becomes very focused on Christ and price paid resurrection. Very focused there. A little weaker on the Holy Spirit, not denying him, just a little weaker on it. But there again, they recognize the Father. They don't spend very a tremendous amount of time on him. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Okay. Lutherans and then we, are famous for that. And then, what's that? Lutherans are famous for yeah. that. And then we have the other end of this uh, saga. And, and this is one thing I kind of came to me when I was talking with Carissa in the last episode, is that the person or the people that are going to bring about the focus on the Father, that they, it isn't that they deny Jesus and it isn't that they are not Holy Spirit filled, but the messianic uh, Christians. Sure, that they're very focused on the Father. At some point, what we have to do as Christians, and this is what I'm looking for, we need to get all three of those things focused in the same direction and and start learning from each other instead of standing against one another they're wrong because they don't believe exactly the way i do etc what would be your take on that that would be a beautiful thing um we you know it's it is not one or the other that speaks through scripture it is the whole the, the whole Trinity that speaks out from from Scripture. One of the ways I've encouraged uh, someone occasionally to to read you know their Bible and to study a particular book was to to go through it once, focusing on 
what is God the Father doing? And then go through it and read it again and focus and say, where is the Son? And then focus again a third time through it and say, how's the Holy Spirit uh, moving through this? And so I've started working on a doctorate. And in my doctorate, one of the things I'm doing is I'm hoping to create a catechetical model, a teaching model that goes through and uses the Old Testament, which you tend to imagine Christ being absent from and the Holy Spirit being absent from, but you have a whole lot of Christ, or you have a whole lot of God the Father. And we tend to look at the Old Testament as being, you know, the Son concealed. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but the Son, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all moving throughout every page of Scripture and throughout the entire salvation story. And I, yeah, I agree. The the Holy Trinity cannot separate itself. It, it cannot separate that which is of one essence cannot separate itself. Indistinct, you know, they're it, definitely all distinctly persons. Persons, yes, but they right. are all united in all things. Right. Only the Father begets the Son. Only the Son is begotten. Right. And only the Spirit is breathed. Right. And so. I guess I, I would agree completely. There's just, it's kind of like a, a puzzle where each group I feel like has certain pieces of this jigsaw puzzle. And if everybody could come together and set aside some of the pieces that weren't ever meant to be there because we've drawn our own pieces to try to fill in the blanks of what we were missing from the other groups and put all of them back together, suddenly you get the picture. If that made any sense. No, no, that makes perfect sense. Now, my next question to you is, how do you see that playing out? I mean, do you think that that is uh, an actual possibility? And I respect the fact that you're you're drawing that in with a Christology end of things where you are drawn, where is Christ in all these things? Where's the Holy Spirit in all these things? Because I agree that people for a long time, I I didn't have anybody teaching me when I first was reading. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm pouring through. I got a bunch of inmates teaching me the Bible, and they they weren't sure. They didn't know. They were trying. You know what I mean? And uh, but as I poured through it, I kept going. Oh yeah, well that I the first four years of my Christian faith, I didn't read anything but the New Testament, and right. I didn't do that to avoid the Old Testament. I just really wanted to know Jesus. But then the minute I cracked open the Old Testament, I went, there he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. And, I, you know, I wonder just how much, if, if we could get people to uh, start to work together and look for the things. We, we keep throwing everything out, everything away from us, if it doesn't line up with exactly the exact faith that we belong to. And I, I think we just need to get to that point where we start to go, hey, I need to get over my mentality here and start looking for God's mentality here. You know, I f- if we could, I-, I think we could get to that point if we could set aside our own sinful nature of focusing upon ourselves. And because if we look at one definition of sin as being focused upon ourselves as opposed to that upon Christ. If we're focused upon God, God is calling all of his children to him. And if we can stay focused upon that and come together and have some open conversations, checking our egos at the door and checking our own selfish pride and sense that if I'm not 
right or if anyone else has something that they say that would disagree with me um, means I must hate you, which is kind of the sentiment that's fostered in this country today around us. You know, well, if I disagree with you, I just cancel you. And and that that's all within the, since 2018, sure. 2019s where all that started. I mean, that's all new stuff. Well, and, is it, and it's, it's unfortunate that we get into this. Can, well, it isn't really, I guess, that new, but I mean, it. that's where we just see it playing out more and more, right? Sure. That, that's truly unfortunate. Well, you know, I see it playing back even as far back as the Reformation, maybe even farther. You know, oh, because the quite frankly, the canceling, quite frankly, you know, what's the ultimate way to cancel someone? Burn them at the stake. <laughs> I, don't want, I refuse to listen to what you have to say on this. <laughs> all right. And on that note. I, I'm glad I was muted out there so you guys cannot all hear me rolling around on the floor laughing because... Uh, I can tell you this, that ever since I, I came into the Lutheran faith, when I pull into the parking lot every uh, Tuesday, which because I get Mondays off, which I never take, but I always pull in to see if there is a pile of wood <laughs> and say, oh, uh, and when I don't see one, I'm like, yes, my sermon didn't go over too terribly, so we're good to go. <laughs> Rob, thank you for spending some time with me today, man. I, yeah, truly, to I truly appreciate that. And I've just wanted to capture a little bit of your thought process here on, on the barbarian prophet. And part of the reason is, is because your Jewish connection uh, it, to me is one of the major things that uh, we've got to start bringing back into this. And I, you know, I, at one point in my life really thought that I, I understood it well, etc. But I, I can tell you that being around you, I've learned a, a massive amount of stuff of, Hey, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that that's a good input. That's a good, you know, as I listen to that, now I'm tr- I am trying to figure out how we can how we can better start serving our congregation for starters, but just serving our own community with with good communication, and uh, like you said, checking our our mentality at the door. And uh, I just want to tell you, brother, I truly truly appreciate you spending some time with me today. Yeah, glad to be here. So, uh, so for all of the tribe and the uh, barbarian nation that is hanging out there, I just want to tell you guys again, thank you for dialing in week after week. I, I can tell you that we are we've been downloaded about two thousand times. We are uh, only a few months into this thing and still clipping along. But I got to tell you, I am watching you guys just blow me away just on Podbean alone, which is one of the smaller outputs. There has been tremendous amounts of downloads, uh, you know, several hundred a week, which has been pretty impressive. And then out there on the other platforms, um, you guys have also just been just tearing it up out there. Please share uh and hit like subscribe uh make sure that what you do out there is uh uh follow it on social media etc but i'm going to tell you before you follow anything on social media anything that you subscribe to open up your bible subscribe to jesus start following him don't follow me follow him and i just want to thank you for being here on the barbarian prophet again rob and We'll see you next time. For questions or comments, please email us at info at the barbarianprophet.com. 
The Barbarian Prophet is a registered trademark of Barbarian Media Group. Listening to this podcast may cause excitability, euphoria, and overall sense of happiness in the realization that you're not alone. Discontinue use if reddened skin or a rash develops. Side effects may include random hugging, crying out loud, smiling while alone, and happy crying combined with snot bubble development. Do not use during church service. No animals were harmed in the making of this podcast. Are you actually still listening? Seriously, we have nothing more to say except for that one thing that was really, really, really important, but let's wait until the next show for that. And what we, we definitely want you to remember is that you need to find a good home church. You need to find a connection with people. You need to find people that just don't think the way you think, but people that think the way Jesus thinks. Read your Bibles. Don't just buy everything that's being sold to you. It's all sometimes just a bill of goods, but Jesus is always good. See you next time on The Barbarian Prophet.